Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Let's play a game, all right? On a count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't think about it. Just name it. All right? Ready? One, two, three. Velociraptor. Favorite non-sports magazine to procrastinate to. Good Good housekeeping. housekeeping. If you were white, who's the one guy you want to look like? John Stockton. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Want to go do some karate in the garage? Yep. Some of our best work has been inspired by that man. Will Ferrell has been our muse. He'll be our special guest just about a half hour from now. We're just living the dream. <laughs> What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Coming up, how close are the Cavs to getting better and closer to the Warriors with a big trade? While former NFL MVP Cam Newton seems to be getting better and closer to returning from surgery. Meanwhile, tonight... About three hours or so from now, and 75 days since the end of the regular season, the NBA will hand out its 2016-17 awards over on TNT, Jamel. So shall we go over the three MVP finalists? You have Russell Westbrook, who, of course, led the league in scoring and averaged a triple-double. James Harden, who was second in scoring and first in assists. And Kawhi Leonard, second in MVP voting last season. Not pictured here, LeBron James, who is not a finalist. Before we get to who we want to see win MVP tonight, um, tell me what you think. You sort of made a snarky remark off the top about it being 75 days since the end of the regular season. That long layoff feels like it's kind of taking off some luster. So you don't like the fact that the awards... I, I don't. Are, are, are now. And I'm not saying that because it's on tonight. TNT, okay? Because if it were on our air, I'd say the same thing. I think it's going to be a great show. I'm looking forward to Drake and Nicki Minaj, and I'm looking forward to NBA Twitter reacting to Hopefully all the different Safari awards. Hopefully Safari and McNeil don't show up. Yeah, that sort of thing. But <laughs> I guess it's, it's unfair to the players. It's unfair to the parties involved because, you know, James Harden, when we last saw him, was awful. Russell Westbrook obviously gave it his all, but he got knocked out in the first round. And it feels like a lifetime ago since we were having a debate that carried much of the season – and so much has happened since then. I mean, Kevin Durant not only was finals MVP, but there's some people saying he's the best player in the game. After the, the postseason and finals that LeBron James had, it just seems like it's, it's very anticlimactic to now be awarding a regular season MVP so far removed from the regular season. If it's going to be a regular season award, which reasonable, pe- reasonable people realize it's a regular season award, give it to them right after the regular season ends. You know, I expect it to feel like you, you feel right now that I wouldn't be looking forward to this. But I think it's really smart on the NBA, and maybe I'm still caught up in the trades that happened, the trades that didn't happen in the NBA draft, but this is how you dominate the offseason. It's great for a ball fix. No, it it totally is, and and it just feels like since the finals, and and the playoffs in particular, I know a lot of people were disappointed because uh, there wasn't wasn't more drama, and there wasn't a lot of drama in the the finals outside of a few moments, but now that we're in the offseason, I feel like I'm so excited about uh, the next NBA season, so excited about rookie coming in and a lot of things dealing with the NBA that I'm really looking forward to tonight to seeing yeah. those I, I, look I'm one of the reasonable people that understand that it's a regular season award so it doesn't bother me or, or change who I feel like should win the award no just because but it's in the, the back of your mind though you even mentioned not picture LeBron not a, a finalist because season. one gotta go exactly yeah. it's like so much has happened I get trying to maximize it and it's going to be great for ratings and all the things you're talking about 
but give it to them right after the end of the regular season so that we don't even have to qualify what these guys did during the regular season, which does matter, with but LeBron's the best player, but KD's the best player on the best team, but both of these guys bowed out in the playoffs. That shouldn't even be top of mind in these conversations. It should be about what we just saw, and it was so long ago that we saw that. So who are we going to see win tonight? Who you got? Well, getting to tonight – you know, speaking of how feelings change, I was of the, had you asked me a, a couple months ago, and maybe, again, I'm one of these people you're talking about now that all this time is set in, has nothing to do with the postseason. I, I think it'd be criminal if Russell Westbrook. Criminal? Criminal if Russell Westbrook does not win the MVP tonight. ESPN's giving him an 86%. Of the vote. I wish it were 99 or rather yet 100%. And this is no disrespect to the season that James Harden had. It was obviously a fine season. Look, the triple-double still means something to me. I know you and other people think they're overrated. I don't think they're overrated. For somebody to do it for an entire season and for him to be the dynamic player that he is for the Thunder, although they obviously were not successful in the playoffs, but still I thought the win total between him and Harden, although the Houston was a higher seed, I think there's something to be said given what Russell has uh, around him, how he had that team competing this season. I think he will win the award. I think the narrative, the, the performance that he put forth, everything is in his favor, especially the way he finished the season. But, well, let me correct you on something. I don't think triple-doubles are overrated. I think, they're over, I think they're very impressive, but overrated in regard to you telling me the difference between James Harden and Russell Westbrook is two rebounds, maybe two missed free throws. Yes, the difference. I'm telling you, James it matters, Harden averaged Mike. 8.1. It matters. Led it looks pretty to see oh, all those digits together. And, and look, there's a reason why <laughs> only two people now have done it. So I'm not taking anything away from it, but I, I take exception with you saying it'll be criminal if a guy who led his team to a 14-win improvement and went for 29, 11, and eight rebounds. Somehow, if he won it, it would be wrong. Or the best two-way player in the game, Kawhi Leonard, who you got Jordan Brand asking, could Kawhi score on Kawhi? If he were to get it, which I don't think he will, but if he were to get it, that's not criminal to me. There's no wrong answer, which is another reason why it feels a little bit anticlimactic. It's good to be Russ these days. Uh, just had a baby, got himself a Gucci diaper bag, may pick up his first MVP tonight, as we just discussed. And in the offseason, he'll receive a Supermax contract offer from the Thunder, five years, 217. Now, Westbrook has a player option on the final year of the three-year $85 million deal he signed last summer after KD left that, if declined, would allow him to be a free agent in 2018. Here's ESPN's Royce Young earlier today reiterating the possibility of this time the Thunder breaking up with their superstar before another one breaks up with them first. What becomes complicated is if Westbrook does turn this down, he does become a free agent next summer. And what we could be looking at is the reigning MVP suddenly being on the trading block. Because if he turns down this contract extension, the Thunder are then facing the the reality that they went through last summer, which is an MVP player, their franchise player, turning them down, and they cannot risk going into free agency and losing him for nothing. How worried should the Thunder and their fans be about that scenario? I think they should be worried. Look, a couple... Uh, when, before Russ signed this most recent deal, um, I, I think when every time the question of the Lakers popped up, it, it always seemed kind of unreal, unrealistic to me. I, I know with the UCLA ties and everybody was singing, well, Russell, he's uh, in, the brand, in his brand and fashion, and L.A. is obviously a city very ripe for that. But I think now, looking at the Lakers, they have their stuff together. They have a bright future, which everybody has noted, starting with who they just picked in the draft, with the cap money that they have this summer and next summer. I think L.A. is a really attractive option for somebody like Russell Westbrook. No? No, I, I just, why are you doing that? I'm not, what? What did so, I do? So we're going to put everybody in L.A.? We're going to put LeBron in L.A.? We're going to put Russell Westbrook I don't Westbrook know how much I believe that, but I, I, mean, I think it's different this time around. I think the options 
that Russell Westbrook will have. They just look, it just feels a little bit different. So, I don't think he owes the Thunder anything, also, by the way. I don't think it's anything to worry about, to be honest with you. Now, obviously, it's possible that he turns on his Supermax extension. And to Royce's point, the Thunder will have some decisions to make, given how they were left high and dry last time. But just because of what happened, it's almost like in relationships when, you know, somebody dogs you out and now you hold it against everybody else that looks like them. Right. You're like, I don't date black men. Well, one black dude broke your heart. <laughs> you're like, you just decide I'm just never dating. You know what I mean? Or right. I, I can't date blondes. It's like, wait a minute. Right. Kevin Durant left for a unique set of circumstances because he drew a connection with those Warriors. Besides, he wanted to play with them. But it wasn't, to me, a referendum on Sam Presti or the job that the Thunder had done with constructing a team around him. So with that in mind, if you're Russell Westbrook, I think, I think, I think we, we've underestimated Russell Westbrook's, his substance. And I'm not saying that you're necessarily dis- discrediting or disrespecting him. This is an him. indictment on him not like his, his brand is just city. fine without going to L.A. I don't think it's about the brand. I think it will be about the situation. Well, well, I got no, you. I said, I think before when the L.A. Pop- oh, question you. would pop up, people said, you. oh, he could be in a big market. But you think it's a basketball reason why to go to L.A. over staying with Sam Presti who's proved how to be shrewd and develop or acquire talent? Not to mention. And he's also proved that he can lose big players. Well, again, that was unexpected, Kevin Durant just walking James for nothing. Harden, but in terms of the brand, though, if you're Russell Westbrook, well, that was different. If you're Russell Westbrook and you have built a brand in this past year off of, hey, the cupcake left for the Warriors or, you know, you know, real real G's don't run away. If, if you've built your Would brand, can you really? No, but I mean, you have a squad that you, you know, that's, that's built to support you. And I don't think you can hold it against the Thunder that this year they weren't able to recover from Durant walking away and acquire somebody to replace Durant. I think if he gives Sam Presti an opportunity, his track record shows that he can acquire players. Maybe I'd love to see Blake Griffin end up there. I don't know how it could happen. I'd love to see him go back to Oklahoma and join up with Russ. Point being, if you're Russell Westbrook, can you point a finger, even if it's subtly, uh, at, at Kevin Durant? about leaving and then leave yourself. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah, know if you, no, know if you I, I think you can because you that just said what you the situations are different because the issue was that the, was the fact that he joined the Warriors, a team that they were up on mm-hmm. and could have beaten in the playoffs. All that right. was the issue. According to Chris Haynes and Mark Stein, the Cavs, Pacers, and Nuggets couldn't agree to a final trade construction on draft night, but Cleveland won't abandon his pursuit of Paul George. However, the Cleveland playing dealer says pumps, pump the brakes on the talk of a three-team swap headlined by George and Kevin Love. While the Nuggets would like to upgrade at power forward, they aren't moving Murray or Jokic. And they traded the 13th pick in Thursday's draft to the Jazz for Trey Lyles. Why does it feel like this Paul George trade to the Cavaliers is kind of a pipe dream in many respects? It's starting to feel that way. And I don't know if, if, if this is just being caught up in the moment, the fact that it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden it just looks like, okay, well, this is something that we can't expect. But I, I don't know. In a few minutes, you know what's going to happen. Right. We'll <laughs> Make us both look down. foolish. Yeah. But... Uh, three-team trades are, are tricky by nature. Two-team trades are hard. Right, and I, and I just don't see a whole lot of people out there uh, wanting to help the Cavaliers out. The the piece that they can dangle is Kevin Love. And, he would look nice next to Jokic. Oh, he would in this situation, but in, in terms of appealing to other teams that maybe they want to bring in to supply younger players or draft picks that the Pacers obviously want because they want to start their rebuilding process. Right. You know, Kevin Love is in his late 20s. That's not exactly a guy that you want to start building around right now. So I think this is – they're kind of stuck like it, Chuck. Uh, with what in they some respects, it makes sense for all parties involved. It makes the most sense, obviously, for the Cavaliers because Paul George makes them a better matchup, a more danger, dangerous matchup uh, against the Warriors. So I'm just not going to like, hold my breath. I think it's wishful thinking – that Paul George ends up being traded in this scenario with the, with these three teams. People just want it to happen because 
you know, they lose the Cavaliers. I'm sorry, they beat the they beat the the Warriors. Then the Warriors come back with Kevin Durant, and now they're like, okay, so what's the counterpunch? Well, I think a nice counterpunch, maybe not as hard a counterpunch as Paul George, is if th- these buyouts happen with the Banana Boat Boys, like Melo and D Wade in Cleveland via the buyout market. D Wade, I can see happening. Melo is the one that I'm I'm curious about. I don't know. I mean, look, the Knicks. Uh, Phil Jackson is the type of dude that digs in. Uh-huh. And I just don't know if, he, if they would go so far as to do that. Maybe not. But if they were, if that were to happen, to me, that makes him dangerous going into a finals, another finals rematch with the Warriors. It makes him older. I know where you're going. That's where, I, that's where I was going. It doesn't make them that much flash. better defensively, which I know that's the appeal for a Paul George. But one of their, their biggest, their biggest uh, deficiency in the finals was their bench. When LeBron went to the bench, they got destroyed. And I'm saying, like, maybe they're not, that's not the perfect players to add to counter Kevin Durant. Nobody counters Kevin Durant. And the Warriors may seem like they're light years away. And this doesn't completely close the gap. But if they were to get these two guys, that at least gives the Warriors more to have to defend, well, more to have to worry about. And i just like to see the, both those guys on the stage. I mean, Melo's a half-court guy. You see the kind of pace that the Warriors want to force. He's never been known as a great defender. Speak, can play defense. Speaking of slow, they're going to get a president anytime soon? Talking about the Cavs. <laughs> yeah, I know. Chauncey's really sounds. It seems to me from afar, I have no inside intel that he's really debating about who that who the person is he'd work for. You cannot have so you a plan take that B job. in that situation. If you're Dan Gilbert, you can't afford to miss out on your plan A. Um, all right, let's talk some football. Have you ever seen a team put out a hype video of its starting quarterback uh, because he's finally throwing after shoulder surgery? Well, they did that on the team website, which was interesting. Um, wonder if the same guy. Who, you know, directed Cam's birthday party video. Anyway, he's throwing. He's also talking. Check out uh, what he had to say about how he views uh, his commitment to football. I feel like I'm in my prime. When you look at quarterbacks and where I'm at right now, I want to commit everything to the game of football. I want my diet to display that. I want my life to display that. I don't want to look back when I'm 40 and be like, dang, when I was 28 and we had this talent around us, I didn't maximize it. Um, How badly, though, does Cam need a big year. If his focus is quiet, quiet in the critics, then obviously he, he needs a big yeah, year. Because they came right back, right after the MVP year. Well, they the seemed like they well, after, after the, the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. You're correct. And then moving on to, to last year. But instead of pressure, let's talk about props for a second because it would have been easy for him to shut it down down the stretch last year. And again, the cynics will say, well, that wasn't smart to delay surgery. Andrew Luck did the same thing. That's, that's your last resort shoulder surgery if you could help it. He thought he would heal. But you're talking about somebody whose leadership is constantly questioned. His locker room presence is constantly questioned. And yet he went out there the last four games and played with a banged up shoulder because he did not want to let the team down. Not like his, his, you know, his, his position was at all in jeopardy. And so, yeah, he had the, the, the situation where he wouldn't wear a tie. Obviously that happened. And that, that wasn't a good look. But call it what it is, and this is a guy who I think, I think he wants it. And I know a lot of people look at it and say, well, are his priorities in the right place? Is he, is he more interested in being a star or more interested in being a man and, and dancing and this, that, and the other? Last year, what he put himself through when he didn't have to, to me, spoke volumes about his commitment. And now when I hear what, what he's saying about not wanting to look back with any regrets, I think he's poised for a big year, especially given the addition of Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I would agree. Ready for training camp. That's the headline here. He yeah, should be ready for training camp. Yeah, which is, I think, camp. about a month or so away and. By all accounts, he, he should be ready for that. You know, it, it is. I just wonder, why is he just one of those players, much like LeBron James, where we're always going to be in a certain type of conversation about Cam Newton, where people can't decide if he's good or not, strangely enough. I think he needs a big year because the Panthers need him to have a big year. And it's a shame that at this point in his career, despite winning the MVP, despite the things that he's proven on the field, that he does still have a lot of people that 
still have this disbelief when it comes to his ability. You thought it was a one-hit wonder. He all has always sounded like a guy that wants to be great. Mm-hmm. I'll take my chances with that guy any day. It's the people that are okay with being mediocre that I worry about, and there's nothing about Cam. Even though I was among those people, no, I didn't like how he presented himself after they lost the, the Super Same Bowl. Here. But the one thing you know from the way he responded was that he does not take losing, losing lightly, and that's what you want out of your franchise quarterback. Ezekiel Elliott, one of many athletes featured in the upcoming ESPN The Magazine body issue. Uh, We have a special behind-the-scenes clip of how this was exactly made with Ezekiel Elliott. Warning, naked guy on trampoline. I think my body's just showing a true transformation from a little kid to a grown man. I was like eight years old and I'm taking this picture in the mirror and I look crazy. I these little tiny twig arms. And I just see where I came from there to now. I mean, just kind of a true transformation. I used to be a guy that was more lower heavy, a guy who had big legs and really didn't have much of upper body, but as I got older and worked out more, I saw my body develop physically. The true evidence just showed this season when I was able to perform the way I did at the pro level. Here's a handoff, Elliott hurdles a man first down. That's the kind of play they wanted to see. I played football my whole life, but I really didn't start hurdling on the football field until my sophomore year in college. I just thought like, man, if they gotta worry about me running over them, running around them, making a miss, and jumping over them, then, then what are they gonna do? My abs get, get a lot of attention because in college, you know, we made that national championship run and uh, I wore my jersey, you know, the little crop stop stop. Just kind of, you know, the Ohio State fans are very passionate, they're crazy, so they kind of took it and ran it. There's definitely a lot of pressure, you know. You, I, I feel like, you know, I'm a loose mojo if I, if I lose my abs, so, you know, I got to make sure I stay right. <laughs> to extend my style of play, I just need to develop good habits off the field. So you, you don't have a lot of wear and tear in your body, so every week you're doing a good job recovering. And then after the season, of doing a good job of rehabbing and then stretching your body back up for the season. All new, tastefully done. All right, so here's a look at the all-rookie first team, which was announced today. Malcolm Brogdon, Dario Saric, Joel Embiid, Buddy Heald, and Willie Hernan Gomez. I got to say, Mike, I got a problem with the fact. You know I love Joel Embiid. I don't love him as much as you do, probably. Because um, you seem to be his foremost president of the, of, of the Joel Embiid fan club, but him being considered a rookie is still weird to me. I'm one of the. I'm first in the. Year plan. It's his first year plan, but he's already been in the league what three years now? Yeah. Okay, so this just feels a little unfair that he's considered a true rookie for me. So you not you don't want him to win the rookie of the year tonight? No, I actually would like to see uh, Malcolm Brogdon win the rookie of the year. He of the ten points. 
give the 10 points. Versus the guy who's per 36 minute numbers. Mike, he's not, it's, it's not about the history. numbers he put up. It's about the fact the dude has been in the league. He's not a rookie. I know he didn't play, but he's not a rookie. Okay, so he's 22, Barack is 24. So you could, if I, I could come back to you with the age difference in some of these guys. I mean, like, who was the best rookie this year? See, at least you didn't come with the weak argument of, oh, it's rookie of the year. So since he only played 31 That's games. That's another part of it, too, I is the fact. much credit. Really? So because he only played 31 games? Not, Isn't not that part of being, this is part of winning awards. You play the entire season. If you don't play the entire season, then someone else who has a wider, more extensive body of work it's okay if they win it. But what if that body of work, no matter how wider, is not as deep or so what, is not as, as So what, if he'd have played 20 games, that'd have been fine? I don't know if, it's, if 20 is a magic 21, number, but when, when you average, when you average 20 like that, uh, 20 and 7 and 2 and a half blocks, when you're the force he was when he played, look, I like Dario Sarge. I like Brock. This is no disrespect to them, but they're so, if you're just talking about pure impact and how good they are, how good they were as a rookie or for your purposes, the first year they played. He's got like two red shirts. He's he, still a rookie. The, the, the gap is so wide. I don't think the fact that he played 31 games is enough to not reward him for being the best rookie. All right, injuries, as we often say, are a part of the game. Yeah. And sometimes they disqualify you from awards no matter how good you are. You're making this is up not rules a, you go along. I'm not making up rules if I'm going off for this to be fair. He's eligible. Um, okay, speaking of also shenanigans with these all-NBA teams, check out this all-defensive team, Draymond. A unanimous choice. I think this means he'll probably win Defensive Player of the Year. Somehow, some way, somebody gave Isaiah Thomas a vote for the All-NBA Defensive Teams. Even Isaiah Thomas doesn't understand how his teammate, Avery Bradley, was not on either the first or the second team. By the way, Isaiah ranked 410th out of 411 players in or ranked 410th out of 411 in defensive real plus minus, only ahead of Doug McDermott. It, it is, this is uh, disturbing. Not, not the Avery Bradley part. Well, Avery, Avery Bradley was a glaring omission. He and a was. lot of NBA players, not just Isaiah right. Thomas, pointed out the fact that he should have been on one of these two teams. He was a glaring omission. He deserved to be on, the, on one of the teams. No question about it. But when somebody inserts Isaiah Thomas in the voting, it makes you wonder how much not just that individual, and we'll eventually find out who that was, but how all everybody who's voting, does everybody take it as seriously? Mm. Like, I wonder if some take it more seriously than others because NBA players tweeting what a, what a crime it is or how Avery Bradley, how much he deserved to be on the team, yeah, that feels good, but history does not remember, oh, you know what, he was left off that. When you look at his basketball reference page, it, it would be it, he, he deserves to have NBA all defense next to his name. He does. So if somebody will vote for Isaiah Thomas is my point. If somebody will vote for Isaiah Thomas on either one of these teams. If he's in other receiving others receiving votes, or for that matter, I think Damian Lillard. Much as I like him, he was getting all defensive votes. We know defense is not his specialty. If that's the case for those two guys, it makes you wonder what kind of thought or how much thought went into the other votes. Because another glaring omission to me is Clay Thompson. There's and look, another. I don't want to. Um, and everybody can't be on. No, I know it's only, only so many slots. So but I look, and, and again, I'm not trying to pick on him because I think he's a good player. But Danny Green, Danny Green being on the on the second team jumps out to me because Danny Green has Kawhi Leonard. Okay, Clay Thompson pretty much every night guards the other team's best player on the perimeter. And, Kevin and I know Danny could have been on, on one of he these. He could teams. have, and I'm I'm just gonna guess Danny Green isn't doing that nightly because that's because he has uh, Kawhi Leonard. So to me. That was just as bad, um, maybe not as bad. Well, maybe not as bad, but I thought Avery Bradley deserved to be there, but Clay Thompson was like a huge omission. Yeah, that IT voter was doing a little too much with all due respect. <laughs> 
Now, before we get started, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. Of course. And that's it. Now, let's do this. Begin. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Yeah, I stabbed a man in the heart. I saw that. Jamel, you killed a guy. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, and there were horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident. Jamel, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. You might want to find yourself a safe house or maybe take a job at FS1. Lay low for a while because you're probably wanted for murder. Well, Farrell, we have heard, and uh, hopefully this is true, that Anchorman is the best movie or your favorite movie that you've ever done. So be honest with us. Okay. Did we do it justice? My heart is beating so fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, I think, I think the wigs needed some work. Um, those were wigs, right? Yes, yes, they were wigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, all in all, though, I was very impressed with the uh, production value uh, to, uh, to stage that with the trident and the horse. Um, I didn't see the man on fire, though. We edited it for time. We yeah. trust me, oh, we did the got whole it. thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Oh, my God. Look yeah. at the arm. Yeah. Yeah, he did not see that um, coming. Yeah. All in all, as a, as a shot-for-shot remake, I'm going to say uh, double thumbs up. Yeah, so I, yes. noticed, I noticed you were nice and you didn't reference the lead. And, and as a fellow actor, you'll understand my struggle. I struggled to commit. Uh, sometimes that was Michael Smith. Sometimes that was Ron Burgundy. So I hope I didn't drag down that production too much. No, no, no. Ron Burgundy. Okay. No, I, I, uh, I am, uh, I'm honored to have you uh, play Ron Burgundy. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, let's talk That's about your great. new movie, though, uh, The House. It's in theaters this Friday. You play a father who finds out that he and his wife don't have the means to put their daughter through college, and you start a casino to raise money. Uh, I'm a father of three. You have kids. What do you find the most challenging thing is about being a father? I would have to say uh, just the fact that they don't really like to listen to you uh, after, you know, it takes like three or four times to get them to... uh, to focus three or four um, that's good kids yeah i mean we've got three three wild boys who are are sweet kids but at the same time i feel like we're running a prison i'm just yelling at them <laughs> i wish i had a high-powered water hose that i could just hose them down uh uh but yeah i i'm i'm super- that and the fact that they don't really think uh, I'm that funny. They just think I'm weird. <laughs> oh, no. But that's probably that's probably par for the course for any dad. All right. Well, you you play a bit of a overgrown son in Step Brothers, another movie we spoofed. In fact, the last time yes. uh, that we talked, we showed you that you were with Mark Wahlberg uh, promoting a movie. Then uh, there was a lot of talk that there was going to be a Step Brothers two. And then there was talk that that basically was never going to happen. I was kind of rooting for that to happen. <laughs> um, so what happened? Why does it appear that there will be no Step Brothers sequel? 
We had heard, actually, I'm glad we're finally talking about this. We had heard, Jamel, that you didn't want it to happen. So <laughs> that's, we pulled You were plug. misinformed. <laughs> yeah, we were totally misinformed. Yeah. Now I feel like an idiot. Uh, we uh, Actually, we, we had talked about it, and uh, we'd kind of kicked around some ideas, and then we ended up doing the sequel to Anchorman. Uh, so that's kind of like, that kind of filled the sequel slot in a way. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't mean that we, we might not talk about it again, but for right now, there's, there's really no plans. Now, the only thing that rivals your passion for making some iconic movies is your passion for USC. Uh, you just gave their commencement speech and you've led the football team out on the field. Now, Sam Darnold, he seems to be spending a lot of his offseason throwing passes to wakeboarders, but what are your expectations <laughs> for him and the team heading into this season? Well, um, first of all, I almost got trampled here uh, by the team because <laughs> we I didn't know we when were they were actually. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know when they were actually going to run. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's whoa. There, there they go. Uh, I, I, obviously, it's it's an exciting preseason for USC. I mean, it. At the same time, I think we lost uh, like three out of the five starting offensive linemen. So. It always seems like we're, we lose one whole section of the team. Hey, no excuses. Uh, Play like a champion, okay? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right, fine. We are going to go 12-1. and one. <laughs> Sounds reasonable. <laughs> Apologies to the Clippers, but we know L.A. is a Laker town. It's now Lonzo Ball's town, although he was already obviously uh, there in L.A. Playing, uh, playing at UCLA. Do you find that LeVar Ball is kind of like the Ron Burgundy of basketball dads? <laughs> like, 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 did you see yourself maybe doing some kind of comedy don't, with him? Don't think it didn't go unnoticed during the draft when I noticed that he, uh, he hailed Zeus. Uh, <laughs> right. right. At that one point, he, he, I, I, I believe he brought up Zeus's name. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's so, it's so funny. He's, uh, he's kind of... P.T. Barnum out there, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think I think that's a good analogy. There is some Ron Burgundy there uh, to the dad, but I, also I think he's just uh, seems like he's just having a really good time, and that his kids are like, okay, that's just my dad, whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it, it seems like he's a loving father and really proud of his kids, and um, is just you know this fun hype man you know it's the, the biggest question is whether do you, whether you guys cover him or not that, and make him part of the story or or leave him to the side that'll be the that'll be the hard part for you guys are you are you tired of uh, of our coverage of him <laughs> is, that, is that what you're getting at i want i'm already investor in the lavar ball channel it's going to be 24 hours <laughs> of lavar just him and i hanging out. That's a bold strategy. We talked about uh, Step Brothers earlier. We know you and Dale are big fans of Shark Week. Um, of course. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, Michael Phelps is racing a shark. You guys signed I up? I just heard the- that. Now, <laughs> how, how is that actually going to happen? <laughs> is they're actually going to be in the same body of water? Is that, is that what I, to be understood? I, I, I think it's necessary. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. It seems like it, it's kind of got to work out that way. I didn't know if they'd be in separate pools or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Will LeVar Ball be there? <laughs> Calling it, yes. Well, if you, yes. I'm sure if you Announcing ask LeVar Ball, he would tell you that he'd lap the shark yeah. and then kill it with his bare and hands. And then be Michael Jordan one-on-one. We're definitely going to go see the house, man. Like, again, you have an amazing body of work. Uh, what is it about the house that you think is really going to resonate with moviegoers? 
You know, I think it's such a fun and interesting premise. Amy Poehler is hysterical. Jason Manzukis, we have this amazing ensemble cast. And it's, uh, it's fun to kind of watch these guys uh, go down the road into darkness <laughs> <laughs> as, as this idea, which, which actually starts to work, uh, they, they then kind of get in a little, a little, too, uh, a little too deep. Well, it's in theaters on Friday, and if it's good as everything else, we'll try to spoof it. I mean, you know, I got a, <laughs> I got a pretty nice little Saturday plan. Uh, maybe go to Home Depot, buy some wallpaper, maybe go to oh, Big Bang. I don't know if I have time. Yeah. I don't know if I have time, <laughs> have time to go see the house. I don't know. I'll it do one. So, Give me, I'll do one. It tastes so good. <laughs> it so good when it hits your lips. <laughs> You're a good sport, well, man. Thank we you, appreciate Will, so you. much uh, for, for joining us. And look, once again, if you ever need extras, if you're ever looking for people to make cameos, we got you. We come really, really cheap. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But you guys are working all the time. Oh, we'll, we'll take time off for you. Don't yeah. worry okay. about it. We'll take time off. All right. Yeah, we don't mind right. missing a day. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Will. Duly noted. All thanks, right, guys. man. Good luck with the house. Mike, I swear, the entire NBA was over in Paris for Fashion Week. Yeah, right. And that includes Hassan Whiteside, who had himself a time at the Louvre in Paris. Athena. You ain't got no arms, so I know you can't feel me. He invented the selfie. Look, look at that. Imagine him sliding in the DMs like that. She gonna respond. Bro, young boy, wild, and look how he got this goose. He got him in a crazy headlock. UFC. Mona Lisa, who doing it with blocks? Exactly. Look at bro looking at me. That's how he look at me when I be dunking. I could watch that all day. I could watch his Snapchat. He, he needs to give tours at art museums. <laughs> like, if you want to, like, rank, you want to give out NBA awards for, like, so, certain social media accounts. Like, Tom, Facebook Tom Brady is awesome. It's, it's awesome. He's, he's a Facebook king. Yeah. Snapchat king right there, I sound white. Right. So, for a center, he's a hell of a comedian. Yeah, it definitely make me, made me want to go to Paris. I want to go to Paris anyway, but especially there, uh, to see Great. the Louvre. Now, you know who's not a comedian? John McEnroe, who was serious on NPR talking about Serena Williams. Watch yourself. Best female player ever, no question. If she played the men's circuit, she'd be like 700 in the world. You think so? Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't think Serena's like an incredible player. I do. Serena could beat some players, I believe, because she's so incredibly strong mentally. But if she had to just, just play the circuit, the men's circuit, that would be an entirely different story. So Serena, of course, replied in a classy manner on Twitter. I guess Take that clap back and home. Yeah, I guess, Jamel, for me, it's, she's not a man. She's all woman. She doesn't compete against men. So why are we wasting time with this meaningless hypothetical? Well, first of all, the, there's a, a lot of levels to it. One, if you're just going to compliment her, compliment her. Don't, no qualifier. Yeah, it, it, she doesn't need the qualifier or the validation of even having to play a man to solidify her greatness. Right. And so uh, I just thought it was classless of John McEnroe. Looking forward to that. the movie, though, Battle of the Sexes, Emma Stone. Uh, Steph, excuse me, boy. Clay lost the battle <laughs> with that rim in China. But the best part about it is he just kept it moving. So he gets up. Uh, I'm not sure if we show it, but he misses the dunk, gets up, and just signs the ball. Kind of like when you trip up the stairs, just act like you were jogging. He was just like, forget it, or jogging. Yeah, he got up and, and kept it moving. So good for you. Uh, to his teammate, Kevin Durant, his favorite team, the Washington Professional Football Franchise. Emphasis on Washington. That's on sale on NFL Shop. The Washington. That's the state of Washington outlined there. From. Let's stick with this theme of D.C. sports, though, all right? Patrick Killebrew 
from Richmond VA. He passed away last week, and according to his obit in the Richmond Times-Dispatch, he died, quote, after watching the Nationals relief pitchers <laughs> blow yet another lead. They got a 4.88 ERA, 26 in the majors, and they signed your boy K-Rod to oh. model league deal. <laughs> Things aren't going to get better. <laughs> That's all I got to say now with that guy. Um, what's interesting? Teams will they, they will take life years off your life for sure. You, you know how much you have to be upset to be petty in death. Yeah, right. BT Awards. All right, that's NC Central basketball coach Lavelle Moton. That was oh, me in my bedroom last night when New Edition. Uh, they had a extraordinary performance uh, during the BET Awards. That's future because he, he the Bane mask and Frank Isola. He had to. Uh, of course. Represent God. <laughs> talk about something. Did he write that on the way to the BET Awards, Frank? And, of course, the Future Hive came after him. Again, as I mentioned, New Edition, uh, they received a Lifetime Achievement Award. Get your boy Bobby with, with the mink on his shoulder. Yeah. Is doing a whole lot of things. But this was great, all these new additions. But the most action of the night came from the Migos, who were about that action for sure. Hey, listen, man. I wish I could talk to the Migos longer, man. It's one of my favorite groups. I've been covering for so long. I'm glad they succeeded, man. Hey, man, you guys are nominated tonight. Have a good show. Why were the Migos trying to fight everybody? They got into. Just focus on the positive, Coach. Where to go? He got into it with Chris Brown. Where to go? Nailed it. That's a performance of a lifetime. And look, when we went to DJ Clark Kent's party. Yeah. And if it isn't love, came up. Be nice. Yeah. uh, We also broke out in the routine. That's just some things you never forget. And I was happy to see New Edition uh, get. Thanks for the recap because I missed it. I was busy watching Power last night. That's what I'm doing tonight. After the NBA awards, of course. Get on it. Just down the road from us here in Connecticut, Jordan Spieth. How about him holding out from the bunker at 60 Amazing feet away, shot. winning the Travelers in the playoff? Celebration was almost as good as a shot. <laughs> it was. Ian Tiger, only two golfers with 10 PGA Tour wins before turning 24. Anytime it's you and Tiger, even if it's a big difference in numbers, it is still in good company. Yeah, and in a way, it's kind of unfair to Jordan Spieth to always be putting his career uh, kind of in the context of, of Tiger Woods. I think it's though. It's certainly not a knock. Uh, fresh off his trip to Asia, Tom Brady hit the links over the weekend with his fellow Under Armour buddy, Steph Curry, captioned this photo on Instagram, Young Jedi. According to Golf Digest, though, Steph is the best golfer in the NBA. I'm sure J.R. Smith would like to have a word. He's also an avid golfer. J.R. Smith? Yeah, J.R. Smith is an avid Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. I didn't know that. Uh, uh, Wolves guard Jimmy Butler arriving in Minneapolis over the weekend, complete with a football and a fanny pack. What's up with the fanny pack? Maybe that's a fashion thing I don't know about. I mean, he was in Paris with some of the other NBA notables. I was more curious about the football. I mean, the fanny pack might just be a traveling thing, but the football is interesting. Is he Uh, like uh, my man Lil Ricky, boys in the hood, just carrying around? Speaking of Ricky, Ricky Rubio. Wolves still trying to trade him, according to Mark Stein. All right, so uh, Kaylin Jalise, big Michael Jordan fan from Utah, got this tattoo of a crying LeBron on his calf. He's not a fan of LeBron. He said, quote, I absolutely hate how LeBron flops. So why would you get him on your leg? That's commitment. Yeah, it is. But that's a very nice Are you committed tattoo. to watching the Big Three Basketball League? It's starting I, over the weekend, tape delayed on TV at night. I am, even though I heard that AI only played nine minutes. That's not enough for me. No, it's not. Um, and I heard some of the games did not look very good, but I'm still curious. And I'm going to hang with this. Watch it, ball is light. Before we call it a day, tell the people who had a good day. Great day or great night for Michael and Martellus Bennett, who were honored with the Shine a Light Award at the BT Awards last night, presented by our friend Carrie Champion, yes. who had some award-winning thigh meat out <laughs> in her presentation.
Good day for Temu Solani, Paul Correa, Dave Andrichuk, Mark Recchi, Daniel Goyette. Five legends all named to the 2017. What's happened to you? I don't even know you anymore. Mr. Hockey, Hockey Hall of Fame. <laughs> Told you, man. Don't touch my gangster.